Hey, Maka. Hey, Strudy. And hey, Nugget, all the way from the man on the ground in Tokyo <laughs> on the international line. Evening, gents. Evening. Coming to you live uh, from the village. Live from the village. Pretty humid over in Tokyo. How are you finding it? Yeah, she's a bit warm, mate. A bit warm, but um, that's how I like my sake. So it's all good. It's well, all lucky, you've, uh, lucky you dropped a few kilos recently, Nugget. You'd be struggling in the humidity there if you were a bigger man. Absolutely. Absolutely. But all well, the beauty uh, about Tokyo and Japan is uh, there's vending machines on every corner for just about everything. So I know for a fact you can get uh, vending machine shoes and vending machine underpants. So whilst you're sweating through them jocks, Nugget, uh, when you're out about in the village, quite easy to just to snap up another pair i'm just going block to block and just uh vending machining underwear it's great <laughs> so whilst uh whilst you're in the this is kicked off well hasn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> whilst you're in the village nugget um who is the rowdiest country um you know amongst all those tall apartment blocks who's making the most noise keeping everyone up at night uh, well, due to COVID restrictions, mate, you're not allowed up at night. So uh, apparently the, the virus will travel further in the evening. So uh, <laughs> but, uh, the Australians, though, that's all I can hear, mate. Well, I can tell you something, boys. The word on the inside tonight in the village, and I've got some sources on the ground, is that the Australian swim team are having a drinks event that is getting well out of hand. So... Um, look out, the boys! Sorry, the boys and the girls from the uh, the Dolphins have finished their program today, and they are blowing the doors off it as we speak. So there will be some broken cardboard beds in the morning. Is that um, is that fair to say? <laughs> I would suggest ready? so. I would suggest so. They're all jumping on a flight. Well, not they're not all coming home. There's a few of them flying on to uh, different programs in Europe, but uh, there'll be a lot of them jumping on a plane out of there, out of Tokyo tomorrow. Do you find that's weird if you, if you are competing, say, as a swimmer, and there's all mm. these other events that you because there's no crowds, but surely they would allow, they should allow some of these seats to be filled by athletes who have finished their commitments in sports. If you were in that swim team, would you want to hang around and go and support some of our teams in their events? Well, athletes? I think you would. Uh, just quietly, boys, Liz Clay's about to run in the 100 meter women's uh, hurdles semi final. So in a second, we'll tell everyone our setups for tonight. It's um, it's a semi-live event. Uh, yep. You'll be hearing us after the fact, but we've got monitors and screens and televisions everywhere. Lane, so what uh, else? Lane four so, or five? Five. She's in lane six, mate. Oh, someone for false start. That's the second false start in this in this particular race. Oh, Porter from um, someone so looking a bit guilty. I think, Streety, you would definitely want to go out and enjoy the entire olympic experience the athletes have spoken many of them spoken already about not being able to go and watch different events especially events like say you know the tonight's athletic session the 100 meter men's final um unfortunately for organizers what they had to do based on the fact that covid was so rampant throughout and such a such a big possibility of ruining the games they just couldn't allow athletes to basically attend Events. So if you don't have a pass for that particular event, so if you're not a competitor, then you're not allowed to go and watch it. And they're shipping people out of the village 24 to 48 hours after their last event finishes. They just need to reduce the numbers as much as they yeah. can. They need to get people out of there. So, so in um, other words, the Dolphins have a fully sanctioned piss-up with no repercussions. Yeah, I believe the I believe the event tonight was put on by Swimming Australia in terms of a drinks event. 
um, which is pretty reasonable. That's more than common at an Olympics. So, um, yeah, they'll be uh, keeping a few people awake tonight at the village when they come back at probably 2 a.m., I would suggest. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Because what, what are they going to do? Kick you out tomorrow? Not a problem. Yeah, exactly. Who, We're not going to have you seen any of the Dolphins go just getting about quietly with, uh, you know, stumbling a bit like Patrick uh, Tiernan? So what if what if yeah stumbling like Patrick Tin in the last couple couple, couple hundred meters if he's event. So in the ten thousand meters, who would you try and go and see in the village if you came back to the Olympic Village with a skinful? Like not just Australia, if, if it was freedom of movement throughout the village, who would you go and try and find? I'd just go and try and annoy Kevin Durant because I know that he'd just get really annoyed. <laughs> oh, Liz plays off. She's looking uh Okay, she's looking okay. She's in third at the moment. Here she comes. She put hold on to third here. That might not be enough to get her through. She's coming through in third. Good run. Bruce is excited. Bruce is very excited with that. He would be excited. Bruce gets very excited. He's an absolute storm. The uh, world record was a 12.20. They just, uh, the first place in that heat ran a 12.40. Yeah. Fair to say, Liz Tay probably has run a PB. Got no idea, but I'm just going to predict it. Mm. So, boys, the Olympics, have you enjoyed it so far? It's been fantastic, mate. Very good. Getting getting right into it. Absolutely. What about today? Australia's greatest day in Olympic history, boys. Yeah, Maka, um, you'd be red raw with excitement, um, <laughs> given our success. Now, before we get too far into uh, the Olympic talk, Maka, I just have to say this last sort of, you know, eight, nine days have, have brought you some you found fame in the in the world of social media. You've uh, been providing the punters out there with um, some recaps and updates and previews uh, yep. throughout the course of the the first half of this of this Olympics. Mm. Uh, how have you managed this? Um, you know, I'm sure you're getting. I'm sure there's lots of people sliding into your DMs right now. <laughs> the life of a social media influencer is an interesting one, boys. A very interesting one. This is. I can only liken this to my. 15 minutes of fame when I uh, when I appeared on the American Rosso show at the Logies event um, many years ago. But yes, I certainly do have some new friends, and I've 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 had a lot of people making suggestions on uh, on what I um, should be posting each day about the Olympics. So I've also had a lot of people asking questions about the Olympics. I've had a few trolls. I've had a few critics. I've had the full <laughs> gamut of experience of social media, to be honest. Um, well, mate, I, that, that, that's just how it rolls. You're going to take the good with the bad, and you ask any mate. internet celebrity out there, it's they'll tell you, mate, this is perfectly normal. Mate, absolutely. Look, it's been an interesting ride, and I've I've very much appreciated it. It's a um, it's a unique experience. I'll be uh, I'll be looking forward to a little bit of uh, anonymity once the games are over. Um, no, but I was only, I was actually only saying. Anonymity was definitely something you've been used to throughout the course of your life. So, <laughs> Getting back to it, I would suggest. I was, uh, when it, it's funny, right? Like we talk about this and uh, I, I have been having a bit of fun with it. So I think your question, Shreddy, was how have I been doing it? Well, the reality, boys, is anything – well, most of the scheduling stuff I've already got a spreadsheet for anyway. This was all about what I was going to watch. Um, so sharing what's on each day is not really that much of a burden – um, it would be great if uh, Facebook had a bit more of a cut and paste feature um, so I didn't have to type it in. But I already know what I'm going to watch each day because I've planned it out as much as I possibly can, especially when the games are in a time zone friendly 
location. And um, also when everyone's working from home. I mean, I can't, I can't yeah. imagine corporate productivities would be too high at the moment, but um, I'm sure everyone's grateful yeah. for this. <clears throat> I mean, if, if someone had, if people had to be grateful for one thing that Corona's given them, it's the ability to work from home during the Olympics and um, watch more yep. Olympics and get, get actual work done. Definitely. It's probably one of the, uh, one of the better uh, advantages of working from home. It's pretty amazing. So um, the uh, I it probably all started. I think. Uh, look, I just love the Olympics, right? Like, I think it's the greatest celebration of sport, and I think the world really needs it right now. I so I just love it, mate. So I, look, all I'm trying to do, mate, is just share a, a little bit of that love with everybody else whilst uh, whilst we go through the games, mate. I, like, I'd happy. I could talk about it all day. Probably saving my marriage because then at least I'm venting on social media rather than talking to Mel about it all the time. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> So in our last episode, we gave a bit of a uh, prediction and a preview of how Australia's medal tally would be looking um, after the conclusion of the event. And mm. the, the sports and spit prediction, after we rounded all our numbers up uh, and down, was to 14 golds. Um, my personal prediction was 13, which, is, which was eclipsed today. Um, as a nation, we currently stand at 14 gold. Mm. Um, and fourth on the gold medal tally. Now, um, for me, uh, the Olympic ta- the Olympic table goes on who's won the most golds, not not the total me- uh, amount of medals. <laughs> um, yeah. ESPN um, do do quite a good medal medal tally. However, they always default theirs to the total number of medals and ignore the fact that China has more gold medals than the USA. But USA puts themselves at the top of that ladder because they base <laughs> their totals on twelve. Where always in the past, if they got the most golds, they're putting themselves. Is that their header? Uh, but Australia, 14 gold, 13 silver, 14 bronze for a total of 31 medals. We're going pretty good halfway through. We are going very well. This has been an amazing Olympics for us from a success perspective. We've this will, If we continue, we certainly won't continue on this track. You'll find that it will dry up a bit after tonight. Yeah, well, um, swimming's but, finished. Yeah, this, once the swimming finishes, but also... You know, um, we probably we're not com- in contention that much in many of the sailing categories at the moment. The track cycling starts tomorrow, um, so we we do have we do have some chances there, but they're not kind of world champions or anything like that. And many of them, anyway. And so, you know, we've got we've. So our best ever sixteen, is that right? Yeah. So. Uh, that was the Sydney 2000 games, I believe. Yeah. So, so a record 16 <clears throat> goals. We're mm. currently on 14. Yep. Um, can we get to 20? Is 20 unre- uh, an unreasonable target when you consider we've got our two hockey teams, the Boomers, our cyclists, um, and there might be another, you know, a surprise gold in there somewhere. Um, you know, if all goes to, you know, goes to plan, our, our hockey team's probably going in favourites. Um, the Boomers, if they can pull which, that off. Which hockey three. team do you think is the favourites, the men or the women? Um, the women would be the favourites in theirs. No, I don't think so. They're not the favourites. So that'd be good, but they'll still need to they'll need to sharpen up a bit if they're going to win the gold medal. But you got to remember that program. The women's hockey program basically was torn apart about six to eight months ago with a fair few allegations from the previous coaching staff of well, favoritism, bullying, you know, basically really poor treatment of athletes. And the whole program basically went through a revamp. So this is a whole new coaching staff, a whole new program. 
they look good. Like they've been really good through the pools and all that sort of stuff. But you got to remember they only just kind of got through a couple of games, Streety. They'll um they'll you know they play their quarterfinal uh, tomorrow night yep. um, against India and um, well they've got be... COVID anyway, so we should hopefully beat them. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, mate, it's tough. Like the conditions over there for field hockey, they'll be like they'll be they're lucky because they're playing late at night tomorrow night, so that'll be hopefully a lot less hot. But geez, I tell you what. Well, let's the talk about the conditions exactly. for a minute. I mean, mm. average daily temps around mid-30s to high-30s and humidity around the 80%. I mean, it's not ideal to be, you know, really pushing yourself um, during the day in some of these events. Um, yeah. We don't have a climate uh, in North Paris or Los Angeles is more of a dry heat, but um, how much of uh, has, has the weather impacted on uh, some of the results that, that we've seen? Nug, you got an opinion on this, or yeah, you're there? It's, yeah, no, it's definitely um, very hot. I mean, I suppose these are the thing they're conditioned athletes, so it's hard to say that it's a shock to them. I mean, it it still would be, don't get me wrong, but especially now that we move to oh, the finals being in the evening and so on, like what we're going to see tonight with the hundred meters and and so on. Um, I mean, I suppose you're going to see them regardless putting in an absolute 100% effort, which we saw the other night with that 10,000 metre race, which it was funny to watch because they were, you look at them and just go, Jesus, they are motoring. And yet the commentary is, Jesus, it's a slow pace. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, wow. you kidding me? You watching yeah. the side jump, boys? <laughs> yeah. They, they, they show that side, side on footage and they're motoring. So, and then, mm. like we saw at the end with the Aussie bike, and and you know, well, you can't ask for anything more. He gave it one hundred percent, and that was more just Pat, mind, Pat that, mind that got him. Yeah, that was mind that got him. I mean, his body oh. gone. So, yeah, definitely. That was all. That was all heart for him to finish that race. That was amazing. Pr- pretty, pretty rude of the Canadian prick that just ran past him. And he uh, comes with Brandon Stark. Brandon Stark for his jump. Yeah. Oh, but, look uh, at him. Go, son. Great jump. Yeah, remember we're, Freddie Mercury old Brandon Stark at the moment with that moustache. I like it. Yeah, remember we've got our listeners switch. They can't really see what you're watching there, mate. <laughs> oh, well, they but, um, should be. Once they listen to this, they, they should, you know, um, remember know the, the time they're watching Brandon Stark in the high jump, <laughs> which would have been yesterday once they listen to this tomorrow. This is the professionalism of the podcast coming through <laughs> nicely. That's right. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. for anyone yeah. that, 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 you know, when they listen to this and remember back to the high jump event, they would have just seen the uh, high jumper from Qatar. Um, just jump in, and he looked like he just come off the set of Blade Runner 2032. Um, he rocked a mad pair of um, 80 ski sunnies, uh, jumped with his sunnies on, and went to proceed to put his um, flat brim cap on afterwards. So he might fancy himself as a Qatari rapper as well. Thinks he's a bit gangster um, with that outfit, but um, he did happen to clear the bar. But Mitchell Stark just did as well. So anyway, Nugget, what were, you sa- what were you saying, mate? Yeah, get you so, halfway uh, through before yeah. Street started to crap on. Just, anyway, I'll pass, television, mate. <laughs> I'll, I'll pass it over to you, just in regards to the conditions and uh, and what's coming. Well, so, so I I have an opinion on this. I think um, I think absolutely the conditions have have impacted on the times that you're seeing and the results that you're seeing, uh, and and will continue to take a toll. Like if you have a thing about some of the 
field events, as in like the ones that happen outdoors, like the early on, early on in the games, the road races in the cycling for men and women, um, you know, in particular, they were well down on what you would normally see. Now, usually you don't have world records in those events because the courses can be so different. They're just not the same. Um, but you also got to remember, boys, that during the COVID era, there hasn't been many lead-up events at all, and there's certainly been very little lead-up events in Tokyo itself. So these athletes, even though they are highly conditioned, are not used to the conditions. So, and they've and and a lot of them aren't necessarily event fit. So um, you're not seeing huge amounts of like uh, you know world records and and really high rated performances in some of the gold medal events, like the rowing itself and stuff like that. I think, you know, the stuff that was happening outdoors, absolutely that heat would be taking its toll. The triathlon times and the and some of the results there were pretty like reasonably slow for what you would expect for that caliber of athlete. So it's a big thing. I think back in about 56 when I think it was 56 when Tokyo last held the games, they held them in October. Uh, to alleviate and avoid this particular type of heat. But the organisers of Tokyo 2020 or 2021 uh, just decided to bugger it. Let's just put them through it. So, well, Do you think that yeah. research at the time showed that COVID was uh, less of an issue in warmer months? Um, it was more sort of, you know, it spiked during the winter months and in all those countries where they had their sort of, you know, peak pandemic times. Uh, there was a school of thought, you know, roughly 12 months ago or a little bit longer that, um, that you know, the, the summer months is when sort of, you know, COVID generally tended to not be at, at its peak. Um, uh, no, I don't think it had anything to do with it because I think the scheduling of the games would have been planned before COVID hit um, yep. or before anyone knew anything about COVID. Um, I the think second in- time around though? Uh, well, was it always, well, uh, well, always going to be August I, in 2020? Uh, well, it was always, yeah, it was always going to be, so it was delayed by exactly a year. Um, so the organizing committee delayed it by exactly a year. I guess they did have the opportunity to change it. You're probably right, Streety. I just don't think, and so maybe that went into their head that, okay, we'll keep it in the warmer months because of that. Um, I don't know the scientific evidence on how far COVID spreads during a warm environment. I'm not sure, but, um, but I know that from my understanding, I thought it was mainly because, Look, it's TV broadcasting, right? Like, I mean, it's the American, like, it's the American summer. Um, it rates its head off during that period of time. You know, um, it's the European summer. Like, I think they just wanted to keep it when a lot of people would be around watching telly. Yeah. Mm. Which, which don't, uh, don't get me started on the broadcasting thing. My Lord. Channel Seven have balls it up something shocking. Well, right. Yeah. So this is a typical this is a typical kind of discussion point around an Olympic Games is the actual performance of the broadcaster. What do you think, boys? Mate, so, uh, I mean, listen, you've only got X amount of channels. We well, got less channels than what there are events. And I know hmm. we've got the, the the ability to stream. Um, so my problem, you know, if you have access to a good internet connection and a device to watch stuff on then, you know, I think tuning in via the 7 Plus app is probably the best way to do it. Um, I do have to say, though, that the app itself and its its navigation and layout is a little bit clunky and, you know, um, they I can see that they've improved, you know, their icons and tiles and just made it a little, little bit more user-friendly 
to, to navigate when opening in it. Um, but the TV coverage itself, I mean, Channel 7 have three channels. One of them always shows something that's not the Olympics. So why not just go a third Olympic channel instead of yeah. Harry's practice and border security? No one, literally no one cares or watches those, watches those shows. So let, let's get another free-to-air channel up and uh, do it that way as well. Well, it is that's, a bit ridiculous to see. Oh, sorry, no. No, that's, I was just going to completely agree in that you've got three channels. You've spent so much money. Why not show it? In the, it's just crazy to... Well, yeah, that's to, what seems to, bizarre. There's been a couple of things from a broadcasting perspective that have said to me that, that they haven't got it right in terms of... So, firstly, the Boomers game on the first... The Boomers' first um, pool game on Sunday where it was scheduled for 20 past six and they didn't show it on any of the actual um, free-to-air channels. Um, so not recognising that, that that's a pretty important game for the flag bearer of the team like in terms of his sport um, and showing it on one of the channels and then subsequently adjusting your coverage for the rest of the pool games to show it indicates they didn't really know what they were doing. They prioritised the AFL over it. And then last night when the AFL was suspended and they didn't have a game to show, they showed the hockey on two channels, right? That's just a total balls up. Like, yeah. you know, there's so much content at the Olympics. You don't have to show the same thing at the same time. That's ridiculous. Um, it's just basically poor scheduling and people that don't know the event in terms of don't know sports to say, even though Australia is not playing, the world would want to see this particular event because it's of pretty big significance. That's the big thing that a broadcaster, a host broadcaster usually misses is not having people, producers and schedulers with the knowledge of, you know, this is a hell of an event, right? Like, so tomorrow night, you know, Serbia versus Montenegro in the water polo. Mate, you couldn't get a better rivalry, you know, like, um, if you don't see that on free-to-air channels, then they're kidding themselves. They're losing some of the money that they spent. Yeah, yeah. there's no chance that'll be on. It'll be uh, Dr. Harry's practice. And, uh, well, mm. the other thing, too, they have these silly talk shows and panel things with Matt Shervington, you know, and this, that other bird on there. Like, it's all well and good to, to talk, but show, show more events and, you know, like, yeah, like primetime TV or for Channel 7, Olympics is just an opportunity for them to cash in with ads and, you know, there's – Far too many ads and not enough event coverage um, yeah. and, and lengthy coverage. But, I mean, I think so long as there's free-to-air television, that's always going to be a problem because they have to make money somehow in advertising, the best way to do it. Uh, the other yeah. the other issue is that they just show a shit ton of replays from what's happened in the day. So their live coverage falls off a bit of a cliff in the prime time hours. Yeah, it does. You know, most of us know the results. You know, it's just, and I, you know, I understand that most people probably don't get an opportunity to watch that during the day. They would know the result already, or would have seen a highlight of the news, or a snippet on their phone here and there. So, um, you know, maybe for the next one, there's a few lessons to be learned in how you actually utilise available technologies to broadcast the games. Well, I think what they have to get used to is that, see, showing a replay during prime time of what happened during the day was a was a reasonable practice when you didn't have an app that somebody could go and find that replay themselves. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so when, when there were only one, when there was only one channel to broadcast it or, or two or three, you couldn't, you know, and you can't find that on an app. Fair enough. Show people because they might have missed it. 
But given that I can go and find out on an app myself, I probably would rather see something live on, on an event. So um, interestingly enough, Channel 7 aren't charging for the app this time around. Um, last Olympics. Time, they? Yeah, they bucks, did. Wasn't it? it was, yeah, but it had such a low take up, they decided not to do it this time. So, yeah. Yeah, probably fair enough too. So what's... um. What about highlights and lowlights, boys, of the first week? What are you, uh, other than the fact that Australia is on track well and truly for its best medal count? And I and yet I think in answer to your question, Shruti, can Australia get to 20 gold medals? Uh, I think we can, but I don't think we will. So, so what do you think we'll end on, 18, 17? Yeah, I would have said probably. I think, well, my prediction at the start was somewhere close to 16, I think. Um I think we'll we'll do slightly better than that now. I think we probably will finish somewhere between 18 and 20. Yeah. It was interesting the other day at swimming, Ian Thorpe made a comment where he said it's, you know, it's, it's refreshing to see that these games without the fans, you know, the, the, the focus seems to be less on the fanfare and more on, on the performances um, from the athletes themselves. Uh, there was less... Um, you know, less uh, tomfoolery, you know, from the crowd and, and, and the things going on sort of, you know, around the village and the Olympic and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, I guess Thorpe may have had a bit of a point, but he was kind of pointing out the, the blind blind obvious as well. Um, Do you think that? Because this is the sort of stuff I find really unsettling about Ian Thorpe and his commentary. Like, that shows to me a bit of a naivety of, of this of, – of the circumstances of the games. Like, honestly, not having fans is, is my biggest low light of this Olympics. Oh, and totally. that's, that's not just because I think you'll see better performances. Like it really doesn't necessarily hit home too much to us at, until you get to the athletic stadium. Now, like now that the athlete, athletics have started, like that is a hundred thousand seat stadium with about 2000 people in it. Right. Like, that is such a shame and and one of the worst sights I've seen in an Olympic Games because I feel so sorry for the people of Tokyo and the people of Japan that they're not able to go and that people people from around the world aren't able to see their culture in their country. And well, we didn't talk Thorpe, about that in the last one, didn't we? Just how... And for Ian, Ian Thorpe to say that, that's the sort of stuff that I find. Thorpe's always been in a bit of his own bubble and he's always been a little bit oblivious to, you know, like... Uh, what I think is going on in the real world, even though he's a fantastic commentator and a great swimming brain. Um, I think he's just always kind of been in his own head a little bit. And a comment like that is just, just, just stupid. I don't yeah, find I mean, that if, if, very If you're helpful. an athlete who only ends up participating in one Olympic game, did they happen to be Tokyo and you performed, did your event with, with no fans, um, your, your experience would be vastly different to other athletes who have done past Olympics and maybe future Olympics. Well, and also, Strudy, have a think about the amount of people yes, around the world. gangster, high jumper, killing it. Have a, have a think about the amount of athletes competing at this particular Games that 20 years ago were lucky enough, or maybe 15 years ago, were lucky enough to be in the crowd at an Olympics in their own country, right? Like, And how that would have driven them to the success that they're feeling today, right? That And it would have driven them... You can't be what you can't see. And and for Ian Thorpe to say, geez, it's been nice not to have fans at the Olympic Games. Well, what is he like? What is he talking about? Like the Olympic Games don't happen without the fans. They're not special without the fans. 
right? So I, I think that's a ridiculously naive comment. Like, and yeah, well, and well, I'll, I'll like, yeah, given silly. that Japan have seventeen golds, this is easily their their best ever Olympics in terms of performances. Um, yeah. So you know the fact that it's on home soil definitely helps. Do you think that if they had full stadiums, they they would have a much higher medal count, or you know, um, yeah. they you know, it's, I mean, it's pretty impressive. Seventeen gold, thirty one total. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. For them to be third uh, on the – are they third now? I think they're third now on the medal. Third on tally. the gold, gold, gold tally, yep. Um, for them to have had such a good games is is huge, right? And and you always usually see the host country with a big games. That's what happened to us in Sydney. But um, I think it's amazing that they've been able to win as many medals as they have. I think a lot of that has to do with what we were speaking about before in terms of the conditions. I think yeah. th- their athletes are much more used to these type of conditions, but they've also been able to prepare more because they've been at home for two years with the COVID virus. So um, I think I think that's amazing. I think they're very lucky. I think the men's 800-metre uh, semifinals are about to start, boys. We've got some, got some good hopes here of getting through to a final. But, um, look, I think the thing is, Shreedy, you probably will have seen Japan do much better if there was crowds. They are an extremely proud nation, extremely patriotic nation, and I think they will have, yeah, they will have done amazing things if the home crowds were let in the door. So, yeah, it's a real shame. Uh, I, that's the worst thing. I've really enjoyed the Olympics because I always do, but this has probably been one of the worst to watch without crowds. Absolutely. Yeah, pipe, pipe, piped in sound is that the NRL and Fox Sports actually do that quite well uh, at the moment. They've gone to their piping in the sound. Um, just to make that viewing experience a bit a bit better. Um, so yeah. What about you, so Nugget? Are you, what, what's it been like on the ground in the village there, mate, without fans being able to be let in? Yeah, well, the, I mean, the whole thing with Thorpe, I can't do more. <laughs> like, like, just stupid in that nothing is better. And I keep going back to it, like when good old Kath came in uh, on the... 200 meters rounded that rounded to the 100 straight and the crowd goes up like hmm. you almost it was oh, i don't know what event it was it was some running but might have been a 400 meter but it was yeah as they turned for the home stretch it was all hmm. bunched together and normally there's a roar and then someone just goes ahead whereas yeah it was just nothing yeah and i mean even worse in this stadium all you'd hear is the patter of feet <laughs> like, yeah yeah with the with the odd the odd official in there going yes in an event yes, like the uh, 100 that's um that's going to happen tonight um yeah the, I, know, I, the 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 blue ribbon event of the olympics and it always has been and probably always will be um hmm. especially you know um well definitely for track and field but in, in general but you know the olympic 100 meter final is 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 it um, i reckon it'd be almost eerie to listen to Yep. Um, I, I don't have a pass to get in there tonight, so I can't go. But um, <laughs> but uh, but if you, even if you're in the stadium, I don't know. It just oh, you know, see he, that big oh, push. He, he, yeah, the Aussie just got checked. So okay, so let, let, let's just interject there. No, you're mm. probably uh, you're viewing us on on the monitor in the in the media room. But um, is is the bloke that pushed him? Can he can he be or will he be penalised for that? Oh, uh, you because that's a free well, kick in the AFL. It is possible. <laughs> it, it's possible for the for for the race officials, the stewards, to kind of to give them, yeah, you know, to to basically, if it's quite deliberate, if you take somebody out, 
that's racing though. Like that's what yeah. just happened there. He's just unfortunate there. I mean, a check's fair enough, but a full hand in the back and a push forward. Um, yeah. I think th- th- this is that bloke from Gosford that runs for Oregon in the uh, NCAA, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, he does. If anything, yeah. if anything, it did kind of propel him forward a bit there. But, uh, yes. And uh, but that, now, you now can it's tell that's him. That, bugging now. That, that extra boost has worn off. I think he's went, yeah. he went. made his yeah. break too early. Yeah, the boys are leaving him behind now. It's unfortunate. He's, he's running well to get where he is now, but uh, it's okay. He'll learn from this. Whereas, yeah. look at this. Oh, no. I thought the IT expert was running around. Oh, the on the inside, the pulse gun. Look at him. <laughs> yeah. Poland. What country well, the is that? The pianos have hit him pretty badly. The, the random South Jersey, I mean. <laughs> yeah, uh, so even Morocco. Uh, Morocco. What about, boys? So when you talk about no crowds, what about one of the funniest things is how the beach volleyball still got the DJ there pumping the crowd up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonder how, like, you talk that, about that has one... to be one of the lowest feelings. If you're a DJ and you're playing to, like, no one on the dance floor or no one at a beach mm. volleyball Olympics, like, you know, that yep. must, of, of, of a lot of things going around the world, yeah. If anything's going to shoot your confidence, is uh, playing DJing to no crowd. That, that'd be yeah. Here we go. Brandon Stark's about to jump two point three three meters, and he oh. has not cleared it, unfortunately. So, mm. unlucky. He's be with that. But anyway, his, that was that. his first attempt. He'll get the next one. Here we back. All right, let's get back to it. Yeah. So, so I, I, so boys, I, I want to know. What do you think? Uh, what what moments have stood out for you in the last uh, nine days or so? Um, I mean, all of the Australian golds, obviously, all of them, because um, you know that, that's what we, what we want to see. But some uh, some ones that are sort of, I guess, extra special um, was the man with the raddest name in the Australian Olympic team, Zach Stuttledy Cook. Um, his breaststroke swim coming from like I don't know he was at seventh at one point and then he just blazed home to to win it. I watched that live. Yep. Um, that that was quite exciting to watch. Um, and then um, today the guy that in the uh, mountain bike uh, so BMX freestyle. Yeah. Uh, he won it in his first run and he sort of you know. Um, did, Logan did Martin. Logan Martin. Logan from Logan. Logan from keys Logan. To, keys to the city. Yeah. Um, Queensland's finest at the moment, Logan. Um, don't, I guess from, you know, we spoke last time about these new sports coming in and Olympics trying to stay relevant and stuff like that. Um, BMX Freestyle being its first event, the way they covered that was exceptional, you know, really cool camera angles and, you know, rotating when they did flips. And so it was a really good viewing experience. Yeah. Um, but just an incredible amount of skill and, and balls to actually pull off some of the stuff that these blokes do. Because if, if they don't pull their trick off, they're landing on a hard surface and a ramp and they're, they're ultimately going to break something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was, I was probably a bit surprised with that too, in that I didn't really see too many massive stacks. So, uh, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of the stack. I love it. But, uh, <laughs> well, these, on the stacks, these athletes were just too bloody good. One of my favourite memories from the Olympics so far was the uh, the men's mountain bike cross country, and you had a Dutch rider going over a rock drop, and it was probably a couple of meters, and you know it was only. Two or three weeks before, this dude was riding in the Tour de France. Um, so, and he, you know, obviously he's a dual rider, so he switches to mountain bikes. And he just went over the hangar, something chronic. It was a, it was an all-time <laughs> crash. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen the highlights, but I was watching that race when it happened, and I was just like, "Holy moly! This, this, this is it's a big." That was probably a two and a half, almost three meter drop off that rock, and and the slow mo. He was over the bars as soon as he went off it. Um, very impressive camera work, but 
What about how talented you must have to be to, to have been in the Tour de France the week before and then you just go, I'll just go get the mountain bike out of the garage. So, yeah, and, yeah. Pretty talented riders, a lot of those uh, Europeans are weapons. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, the young cool. British bloke uh, killed it. He, he was 21 and smoked them all. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, nice. it's a, quite, quite a good event. Um, what, what are about you, Matthew? What have been some of your well, faves? Well, before we talk about that, what about then what you just mentioned there, Shreedy, some of the new things at the Games? So, yes. So not just the new events, because we spoke about those in episode 55, but what about the some of the – well, they were new events, I guess, but new concepts, the mixed relays. Love How them. did you boys feel about that? The triathlon, awesome. mixed relay, the running and the swimming. I, I thought they awesome. were brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really, really uh, yeah. Like um, whoever thought of that, hats off because I think, um, especially the swimming. What, what I loved about the swimming one mm. was two males, two females, and the way that they strategically placed their swimmers. Yeah. To, you know, try and count, count a sort of act. Uh, you know, one of their rivals or another another country's is sort of move, and um, you know it was interesting to see just how much that lead, or you know, changed. If you if you made that into a graph, a live graph of you know up and down things like that. Um, yeah, pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, so I, swing, love, I, I always love any. I always love any innovation in a sport that brings in a whole another layer of strategy and coaching. Um, yeah. So, like twenty twenty cricket, like Australia took a long time to to grasp the concept of twenty twenty, and some countries picked it up quicker than what we did. But these particular mixed relays, especially in swimming and I think triathlon, will deliver for you. That, that real new layer of strategy of who do you pick, where do you put them in the actual, um, yeah. in the actual event itself. I think that's awesome. I like that type of innovation always makes me want to watch. That's really cool. So yeah, definitely. Uh, um, what, also, last yeah. night in the athletics, they did a mixed relay. Was it four hundred mixed uh, mixed relay? Yep. Um, that was kind of cool. Um, ex- except for the last lap on a couple of baton changes. Um, Runner free failed to get out of the way of a couple of sprinters, so there was almost a few, a, a bit of a traffic jam um, of, of runners trying to run through them, uh, dodging around, which made made for quite interesting watching. But you'd be pretty annoyed if you're holding the bat and you're trying to run straight and someone's getting in your road. Yeah. What about you, Nug? What have you seen so far that you've liked, mate? Yeah, I like the like you mentioned there with the innovation the other night with the hundred meters. And they were showing top speeds and so on. I found that really interesting oh, yeah. in that, like, especially, well, the Jamaican that, that the one that, that, you know, she didn't hit her top speed until about the 70 odd meter mark. And yep. all of a sudden that's when she turns the jets on. Whereas yep. the others are all sort of around the 50 odd meter mark. But just mm-hmm. those little things. So, I, yeah, I like that. And Switchy's mentioned before with the BMX, with the camera angles and, you know, yes. they, they, had, they had sort of, tucked away in a lot of those I've got no idea what you'd call it it was like a big pipe thing and they were halfway down it but uh, I'm sure there's a name for it half bowl or something but <laughs> so that, they, they had the camera inside that and like watch them go up and over them basically so yeah yeah yeah, yeah I'm liking that and just yeah and you know with crowds involved and that up on the big screen it's, it's only going to be even better come next Olympics just uh, yep. before we continue, just got to throw a bit of a shout out to the Kenyan um, outfit. Looks like it's a seventies Nairobi hotel room wallpaper inspired <laughs> outfit. It's, uh, 
What it's about quite some con- of the? It's quite contradictory the, uh, on the eyes. <laughs> some of the uniforms have been interesting, haven't they, boys? Like, uh, there's uh-huh. um, there's some brands that have certainly made themselves uh, a bit of money and increased their share price, and there's some brands that have really gone a bit backwards. So. Well, yes, none more so than the uh, Norwegian Triathlete decked out in all yep. white. Yep. Yeah, and the see-through. Yep. Was that a brand? What was that? Yeah, it's a uh, one of the European uh, triathlon oh, okay. uh, wear brands. I can't remember what it yeah. was, but yeah. yeah, but some some of I mean Nike's Nike. They're always pretty good, but Asics. I've oh, I think I've just noticed more because the Aussies are in it, but they're they're on a fair few other the other countries as well. They are on and a fair few good. other countries actually. They're on heaps. Yeah, and they look really good. The uniforms yep. look really good. So, which I I tried to get on and get a Boomer singlet the other day and. Yeah, old rebel won't let me. So, oh, sold out, mate. Yeah, I think it's just trying to tell me that now you don't need to spend money on that. So. <laughs> it's only trying to save it for you, mate, because in about a week's time, mate, they'll be half price. So, well, well Marcus, on the last lap of this eight hundred, we're currently yep. Australians in second and Canadian yep. in first, both yep. of uh, Sudanese background, um, yep. a Rop and Bol. Um, yep. Do these blokes at the front have the capacity to ride it through, or are we going to have a bloke from the rear, rear to the back of the pack? Uh, I, the last one. I think you'll see someone try and make a move. I think the guys like Peter Bowl probably will drop. I would suggest he certainly seems to be slowing. Um, the Canadian has a bit of staying power. I would suggest he may he still be up there. But um, come on, Aussie! Yeah, come on, Aussie! Go, son! He might get him. Yeah, he's going to so, get him. Yeah, oh, they're boy, running pretty, pretty well. Pretty, pretty oh, Peter Bowles out in front. Go, Bowl. Bowles, forget he gets it. He wins. And he, <laughs> I'll well, tell you mate. what he also I tell you what he also looked like he switched off a bit there towards the end, the last couple of meters. That was oh, fantastic. Yeah, well, and he, he didn't collapse, which I was waiting for. He was giving it. So well, let's talk about that. Day. Let's talk about uh, Tiernan uh, the other night. Um, when you watched it, it's obviously pretty graphic and a little bit, uh, you know, you, you see that that angle of him running, you know, the, the straight down the, the the hundred straight, and he just ran that corner and he he gets the wobbles. I mean, we've all got a friend that's uh, you've seen him walk home from the pub like that of a night time. But seen athlete in a ten thousand meter Olympic race do that, it's quite alarming. What I found um, inspirational was he got up and he continued. And he still still got his PB. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even after collapsing a couple of times in the finishing straight. So, yeah. well, that probably shows you exactly how hard he'd run to that point, mate. Like he was well ahead of where he'd previously been, if that's the case. I didn't know that he got a PB that night. I wasn't, I didn't know that. But, uh, oh, look, it's, uh, look, I, it sounds funny. I, I'm no caliber of any type of athlete, but, I, Nugget will be able to tell you this. When I was preparing for the New York Marathon, I called him from Carrington one day to come and pick me up um, <laughs> because I had to hit the wall like tin and it hit the wall. I couldn't move. Did I, Nug? You had to come and get me. I, I had to the, lay down the in old, the back of your car. The old legs stopped working, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it, it makes it easy for a coach. In the, you know, yeah, that was your PB. Imagine if you didn't fall down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I suppose it just goes. Yeah. I mean, and rightfully so. Here he comes Mitchell Stark, thirty-three. Uh, we'll just watch. We'll just watch it's, this. It's Brandon Stark, you idiot. Oh, sorry, Mr. Yeah. Stark, the fast bowling brother. All right, so he's missed yeah. twice. Is he out? It, no, no, he, he got, got one more. three attempts. One more. So I'd go higher if I were him. Why not? 
The um, problem is, is that if uh, you, what you've got to do, if it goes too, to too early, yeah, if it goes to a countback, then you fail failed attempts count against you. Well, that so. that is true. I I can vouch for that. Not mm. on my behalf. My daughter lost a, a, a zone final on a countback on high jump. Yeah. Jeez, but yeah. um, but oh, I've forgotten where I was going there, but um. Oh, well, yeah. I'll tell you, boys, about uh, my first week at the games and and what I've enjoyed from a highlights perspective. Um, clearly, obviously, the gold medals of Australia, all the medals of Australia. There's a couple of medals that probably stand out. I won't talk too much about the golds and all that sort of stuff. There's, you know, because there's everyone knows they all stand out. I was in particular very impressed with uh, the today. The like the whole meet for Emily Seabom, um, that was pretty cool. Like the fact that she got a medal uh, at 29 years of age and having been left out of the Australian swim team in 2019, like uh, she probably didn't think she was going to come back to actually swim for Australia again and be able to win a medal is fantastic. The one medal I thought that meant a lot from a swimming perspective this week was today's gold medal in the four by 100 meter medley relay um, for women. And that's because Kate Campbell got the gold. Um, You boys would know, obviously Kate had a horrific event in the 2016 games in Rio where, you know, she just didn't, she was the red hot favorite going in and she just didn't turn up and, and that would have mentally destroyed her as a, you know, if she'd let it. Uh, and so to see her get a gold medal by swimming the anchor leg of that relay today was pretty awesome. Um, I was pretty stoked with that. The other gold medal today, like that one that you're talking about, Logan Martin, I think that's pretty cool because of the amount of work that guy put in. Mm. Like uh, it really meant a lot to him to win a gold medal at the Olympics. That was really quite cool. Um, I think that was, you know, that's been pretty cool to see. Like that talked a lot in the commentary about how he's, one of the only riders who had a had an actual replica of the course or at least part replica of the course built for him by Cycling Australia so that he could practice on it for the last six weeks. But that's only a small part of the amount of work that he's put in. Uh, he really wanted that medal. And for a guy whose sport's probably more focused on X Games and social media followers and all that sort of stuff, that was pretty cool that he recognised the importance of the Olympics um, and the significance of it was all pretty cool. So um, heaps of good moments at the rowing. Like the rowing was cool. I, the other person that really impressed me this week is Jess Fox. Oh, yeah. So um, Jess Fox to, uh, to have come from the disappointment of the bronze. And you could see that broke her heart, right? Like that, that was pretty sad to then – a day later to then redeem herself with the gold, mate. That was just awesome. So, so can I say, can I just ask a it's semi controversial question, Maka? We saw Simone Biles, the the you know undisputed goat of uh, gymnastics, pull out. Yep. Um, yep. yep. From her event, um, you could argue that Jessica Fox faced a very similar scenario in terms of you know falling short in an event, and um, you know, but you know, having the resilience to get back on her feet. Go again, win it. Um, yeah, you know there was every opportunity that you know. I guess she probably could have withdrawn if, if she really wanted to. 
Yep. Um, you know, um, how what's your take on the whole Simone Biles thing? You know, she's being celebrated and lauded for you know taking the stand that she did. Yep. Um, a lot of criticism has been thrown away to the contrary as well. Um, yep. A lot of nasty stuff is coming away from. Yeah. You know, pro- probably not Australians. It have to be probably from Americans. Um, oh, where, no, where, you sit, where, where are you sitting enough. on that? Because we've had uh, our own athletes pull out with you know recently with you know citing mental health as the as the major factors for their decision to not participate in the game and um, yep. you know that's been a, a controversial oh, um, yes. decision. Brandon Stark just went over two point three three meters, boys. He's back in the game. Nice. The three eyed raven gets over. Yep. <laughs> Throw back to you, uh, Game of Thrones fans. You'll understand that one, Brandon Stark. <laughs> What the hell is the three-eyed raven? Oh, no, you know that saying: if you know, you know. Well, if you know, you know. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't know, so yeah. I don't. I've never seen that. Yeah. But uh, it's, uh, one of, it's one of Switchy's moves in the bedroom. We'll ask uh, Mr. Streetfield. Three-eyed raven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, um, the Simone Biles one made is a um is an interesting one. I, I'm. I don't necessarily say that I'm impressed with Simone for speaking up on her own mental health, um, I, but I'm supportive of the fact that she did, if that makes any sense. So what I mean is when you think about this logically, boys, uh, Simone Biles, like to, to be Simone Biles and to have won what, you, what she has won and be as dominant as she is, to have performed tricks in competition that no other gymnast has ever done. Um, she would work significantly hard at her sport. She has sacrificed and put in a lot of work. So to logically think that she is using, see the controversy and some of the, some of the idiots that we're friends with, I think, um, who think that somebody uses mental health as a, as a shield of some sort to, to kind of hide behind, um, is a ridiculous concept in this particular instance. It might not be ridiculous in all of those instances, but in this particular instance, why would you logically, if you weren't totally going through hell mentally, why would you put in all the work you had to, to get there and then just pull out, right? Like she must be going through hell to be pulling out for an athlete to pull out of the Olympics especially one like her who, who has had significant success, mate, her problems must be pretty bad. So um, I'm not going to join the pile on because when you logically think about it, mate, she doesn't need any help from me. Her life's already going through shit at the moment. So, um, so I'm, I guess what I'm probably impressed with is that, uh, is that there's been such an outpouring of support on the other side. I know all the naysayers and all that sort of stuff are always going to be there, but, I think the good part is, is the world's changing. We're accommodating the fact that that's a real issue. Um, don't worry about mental health. Worry about whether she's got the confidence as a competitor to put herself in some really dangerous situations. And that's really what she's spoken about. You know, she could kill herself with some of the tricks that she's doing if she's not mentally completely there. So I think good on her, mate. But, um, you know, I, look, it's a shame that uh, that she wasn't able to to compete because – because the sport-loving person in me just wanted to see her dominate as well or at least see how good she could be at this particular level. So, yeah, it's a shame. But logically, I don't think she's using it for any other reason other than she's obviously not very well. Yeah. Mm. A couple of lowlights for me, uh, Olympic-wise, Australian rugby sevens. Yeah. 
bit of a stinker. Uh, Men's and women's. The, especially the blokes. Yeah, the women's too fell short uh, after winning gold in, in Rio. Uh, I mean, personally, my take is that, uh, and I say this with a bit of a heavy heart because I generally am happy for Fiji to have won the gold and the men's and, and a bronze medal. Oh, there's a stack in that race. Um, we'll just watch the end of this race before we continue. The Kenyan with the uh, wallpaper outfit is going to smoke them all. Give them a little wave. Thanks for coming. Yeah, there was a big gnarly, there. gnarly crash back there. Kind of became a bit of hurdles for a few of the American runners there. American and the Botswana. Got a nice coloured uh, colored uniform there. Bots, the, the, cut the sleeves of a golf shirt. Um, what was I saying? Oh, rugby. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Rugby, mate. I, I, well, I don't fear for it because I, I don't necessarily think it should have been there in the first place. But I, I question rugby's, um, you know, future as an Olympic sport moving forward. You don't think it should have been there, mate? No. Well, I think the rugby sevens was, was a bit of a throw in when the Olympic Committee were looking for something new to appeal to the youth of today, right? Like, so it's that shorter format of a game. It's got that party mentality on the seven circuit around the world. I think that's kind of what they were looking for. But um, whether it's run its races an Olympic event, I'm not sure. I don't know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it has in that it's a bit hard when you've only got, what, three or four countries that are actually good at rugby. Um, and the, the, the other thing too, like, it, it, it's not a real representation of, of the game of rugby. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's sort of like a, I don't know, it's a, what's the term I'd use? It's a, it's a, a bastardised bastardized version, version of the sport. And it's not, it's not reflective of, of the actual game itself. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a refined, homogenised and pasteurised version of rugby. And it's, you know, it, 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 it's, it's compromised too much. And then, then it's thrown into the Olympics, which, you know, uh, traditionally, you know, that, that, that has a lot of sports where for that, for whatever sport it may be, sometimes the Olympics is the pinnacle. But for rugby, the Olympics isn't. Um, yep. You know, the World Cup is and, and other tournaments and things like that. Um, uh, definitely. So, bring, I mean, bring on beach volleyball. Uh, not beach volleyball, <laughs> beach handball. Beach bring handball, yes. Well, you know, that, that definitely is on the cards. That would be a great, uh, great Olympic sport. I mean, I've said this before, sort of in jest, but I honestly believe that a um, a more um, administered uh, version of Ninja Warrior would actually make a really good Olympic sport um, because, A, it's super popular. Everybody participates in it. Everybody has an opportunity to participate in it. But if you could actually make that into – if you could create pathways for that, for that particular discipline, uh, and you probably wouldn't call it Ninja Warrior. It'd have to be – something else, but that would actually be a really good future sport that could feature in, in the Olympics. Um, and I think a lot of young kids and people would, would get on board with that. Yeah, I think it's a, uh, it's a bit of a game show type kind of sport at the moment. I think you have to find uh, – I think the thing about Olympic sports are they've got to come with organising bodies so you can, so you can create a uh, – scoring system like yeah. so um the reality is is that you've got to have a level playing field for everybody so um it you would could, be interesting you could do like, it on uh, times 
you can do it mm. on times and then, you know, obviously obstacles. And if you screw up, you either you're out or you, um, you know, you, you can lose time if not, not going through a particular obstacle qu- uh, quick enough. Yeah, um, it probably, op- so- probably opens up the can of worms then, though, as far as, you know, weight divisions and, and that oh, sort of thing well, as well. I think the relays, the mixed relays in particular, just showed that, you know, the, the, the um, you can have different sort of abilities in terms of, you know, females and males, different athletic strengths and stuff like that, mm. um, you know, compete uh, in an event. And obviously you, you probably wouldn't do Ninja Warrior as a mixed event. You'd have a male and a female thing, but then you could also go and, and have a team's event where it's like a relay or, you know, uh, whatever it may be. But, you know, Brisbane 2032, I definitely think there's opportunity for that game show type thing to evolve into a, a legitimate sport. Um, and another one of our listeners, Scotty Wheeler out there, did raise this morning and, you know, he, he made a good point for all the running disciplines. Why isn't cross-country or single-track running uh, an Olympic event? I think that would be a really cool discipline to, to have as an Olympic Yeah, sport. that would be pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I think that would that's a pretty good suggestion. I think the Ninja Warrior one, Shruti, it becomes – so typically what they'll look for in an Olympic sport too is a development pathway for young athletes. Um, and it's. I think you made the good point there that I think Ninja Warrior has possibilities as an Olympic sport, but it's just it's probably no different to speed climbing, right? Which you'll see in a day or two. Um, I think maybe choose choose uh, probably no, actually towards the end of this week. I think it's on the schedule. Um, but the speed climbing, which is basically indoor rock climbing for for time, you know that that's probably got a bit of a Ninja Warrior feel about it, but it's developed over the years you've got to you've got to find a better kind of administration of it in a level level kind of playing field oh, but totally. absolutely you've you got to find a development pathway for young athletes here in australia there are some ninja parks and that sort of stuff that you probably see young kids starting to come through um that really like the sport so once it gets a bit more of a following than just a game show every year then you absolutely i I believe that you probably do have another Olympic sport in the making there for sure. Yeah. Watch this yeah. space. Uh, one thing that Absolutely. I found a little bit odd was in the tennis, uh, in the mixed yeah. doubles, they had, you know, if it went to a third set, they played a, um, a tie break uh, of death pretty much. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Honestly. That, that is weird. I've never seen that in any form of tennis. And that is, is that just a, an Olympic abbreviation? It is. Yeah. That's just basically a, it's an Olympic rule, basically. Like so, um, it's a little bit like um, it's a little bit like uh, the difference between like a, an ATP 500 or a thousand event versus a Grand Slam. Um, and from my understanding, that particular rule uh, was designed to uh, attract. <laughs> Sorry, we'll speed things up for all the all the players playing in different singles, doubles, mixed doubles. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So it's basically designed to make sure a Novak Djokovic doesn't pull out of the doubles because his singles match went to five sets. So the thing is, is that they would need to carry bigger teams. Like at a tournament, what you have obviously is typically a lot of the high-ranked singles players won't play a mixed doubles or a doubles match because of the fact that it's just too much. So um, so that it's all designed to reduce the amount of withdrawals from games and make sure the big names play each of the different disciplines at the Olympics. Um, it's it's a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a shame for tennis though. Like it, it does, it makes the competition slightly irrelevant and less appealing for sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 
uh, I, uh, I talk about tennis whilst we wait for, for Brandon. Here he comes down on his run-up. I'll let you commentate this tree. Here comes Stark. He's over. He's over. He gets it. Oh, Brandon Stark, what. 235. What a great that, jump. Geez, the bar got some wobbles a bit more than the bloke in the man shake out. Brandon Stark's so. roommate. What a legend. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> the, uh, the guy that did the discus last night. Discus. He Brandon was. Brandon Stark's roommate. Yeah, um, he f- he he's at the top of my charts as my favourite Olympian so far, that bloke. Yeah, he finished fourth. Right? Matt Denny. So, yep. So. Stark's roommate. <laughs> what a champion. Yeah, what a legend. Yeah, so I think um, tennis provided one of my lowlights of the first weeks. Novak Djokovic's behaviour yesterday. Yeah, like, what throwing his racket. Absolute dickhead. Like, and and this is so probably a, I won't just focus on Novak because I kick him a bit. But what I would say is is the two sports that probably have some of the bigger individual names competing in them: golf and tennis, right? Like, oh, oh, here we go. The Italian's starting to get the crowd of 100 people trying to pumped up behind him uh, like most Australian, people do. Australian, whoever's in that so, Australian honestly. athletic team's clapping him, don't. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing, you idiots? Like, you, so. you never clap an Italian. Like, we learned from the World Cup in 2006, you still have to what? hold that grudge. Also, Not like, clap an how, Italian. <laughs> how many people are there, mate? Like, who is that? You, he's asking the empty stands to clap for him. Like, come on, mate. Uh, anyway, I hope I he fails you. here just to teach him a lesson. No, where's, you your, where's your Olympic oh, spirits, boy? Okay. And he uh, even did a Kobe. That's a Steph Curry jump it. shot. Well, he's an instant wanker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, can, mate. And you got a top uh, knot. So what all, I all about, the things we love about idiots, he's got. <laughs> yep. What I thought about the uh, the look the whole the whole tennis and golf thing. The golfers basically treated the Olympics like a doormat by all bagging it and saying that it shouldn't go ahead and no one came and played, right? So the golfers, you know, the golfers basically disrespected the Olympics, which pissed me off. And a lot of the tennis players basically, not a lot of them, but like, you know, there's a lot of guys that aren't here that should have been there, I reckon, and a lot of women that should have been there as well. So uh, that was a real shame. But well, uh, I, I think yeah. I've we, we've mentioned on a podcast a long time ago that I always made the suggestion that every Olympic cycle, that the Olympics – for that particular year should be the fifth major. Yep. And that yeah, would just yeah, draw absolutely. more of a, um, you know, there's no monetary prize, but the fact that you win a gold medal is uh, is pretty rare and the opportunity to do so. Well, I think that's largely how a lot of those players treat it. Like in their own schedule, they all kind of like, yeah, they kind of look forward to it. It's a bit like being a basketball fan, boys. We know like, you know, every year who's going to play for every Olympic cycle, sorry, who's going to play for your team and, you know, who, yeah, you know, are they gonna are they gonna commit to the team or are they not gonna commit to the team? You know, it's a bit the same with tennis. You know, Nick Kyrgios deciding that he wanted to stay in the Bahamas and not play in the Olympics. I, I don't mind if you don't want to come to the Olympics, but for Nick to then bag the Olympics and say they probably shouldn't have gone ahead just because he wasn't playing, like pull your head in, you dickhead. Like you know, yeah. oh, honestly. So we, we we knew that anyway. We knew that anyway. He's just a cockhead, but yeah, anyway. Exactly. That's that's a story for another day. Yeah. Uh, Nugget, just a quick question, mate. Whilst you're on the ground there in Tokyo, um, how's that party from the Dolphins going? Any uh, any noise complaints from other members of the village? Uh, nothing yet, mate. Nothing yet. Um, the strobe strobe light and disco ball haven't started yet. I've been uh, got the binoculars out and looking over. Nothing nothing <laughs> happening there at the moment. I reckon the karaoke <laughs> bars in the village will be getting a workout. Um, obviously, one of Japan's favourite pastimes. 
100%. Although, interesting enough, speaking of being out and about, and uh, they just showed on the ad break there, now it would have been after because she had her medals with her, but had old uh, old Foxy from um, the canoeist, and uh, she's out and about in the general public with the Japanese there. So, hmm. Yeah, love and life. Um, Good luck. To just a qu- quick question, to. boys. You know, um, our athletes. Uh, if you're not a mainstream sport, um, the Olympics is a, a, a time to really cement a lot of those corporate sponsorships in the lead up to and afterwards. Particularly if you do well, who are some of our winners and, and, and losers in the uh, in, in the corporate Olympics? Um, you know, of our Australian athletes who are likely to to get uh, large, you know, endorsements or some athletes that maybe their performances have sort of cost them a bit when it comes to endorsements. Well, I just spoke about then Jess Fox. She's, she'll be, uh, she'll be definitely on an ad for sure. Probably her and her dad. She's got a lot of hands, right? Yeah. Yeah. She'll, um, she'll certainly make a lot of money out of it. I think Logan Martin from the BMX today has probably cashed a bit of a check. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ariane Um, Titmus, no doubt. Yeah. The Simmers. Yeah, will just be advertising kitchens all over the place for Harvey Norman now. Go on, <laughs> I mean, I say, you know, we talk, spoke about Kate Campbell before, but, you know, um, she, she may be a loser from the corporate side of things just because of her, her future's a little bit cloudy, whether or not she'll continue as a swimmer. And obviously, if she's not swimming, a lot of those endorsements uh, go. Yeah, and it, look, Emma McKean, like Australia, now Australia's most successful Olympian, um, will definitely cash in. Um, I mean, Rightly Kate Campbell... So. Kate Campbell's coming to the end of her uh, end of her career anyway. I mean, it's more likely than not that'll be her last Olympics. I would suggest it's you know definitely going to be her last Olympics. But um, there's you know there's your gold medalists. You always kind of say the gold medal comes with you know a couple of years of of, of endorsements and and then uh, as I was saying the other day in my uh, running Olympic commentary, you know. Guys like Michael Clemen that always pop up around this particular time, Sally Pierce, and you know they always get commentating gigs and that sort of stuff. So your gold medal will give you a wage for about another ten to fifteen years, basically. Yeah, um, I mean, what I'd like to just throw in there is I'd be bitterly disappointed if Goldwyn Valley didn't front up with some cash for our new awesome foursome for the male males and females. They can yep. ride that way for another three years. Yep, 100%. Um, sell some of that little tin fruit in the packets to all the kids. Get the peak. Peaches and apricots going absolutely. That's right. We need, we, we need another Goulburn, Goulburn um, Valley fruit ad with with the new awesome foursomes because the the feet, the ladies want it too. Was that the peaches, mangoes, peaches? Is that the one? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, everyone remembers the ad of little heads popping up on the on the thing. Yeah, absolutely. So we need to have a bit of a uh, we need to have that come back. Look, Goulburn I think Valley, um, get onto it. I, I think you know the interesting one there is probably not an Australian, but the the athlete we spoke about earlier, Simone Biles. Um, I think uh, some people would say, oh, well, she certainly cost herself a lot of money by not competing. I'd probably argue the latter, to be honest. I'd probably say that she's potentially increased her value because of the fact that she's, uh, because of the fact that she didn't compete and under the circumstances which she didn't compete this time around. So, um, Yeah, definitely. Because she then booked, booked TV shows, booked public speaking, booked the events. Yeah, guaranteed. Well, well the yeah. thing is, is it becomes a story, right? Like, and so yeah. now what she'll sell is the story. So, 60 um, minutes, ESPN, uh, 30 for 30. Uh, maybe not Oprah, but you never know. Oh, no, Oprah will be in there for sure somewhere. Yeah, like, certainly wouldn't would be Ellen. 
no, <laughs> no. choose Oprah over over Ellen. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, um, I don't think Ellen interviews black people, so I'm not sure. <laughs> mm. Yep. Um, how did the New Zealand weightlifter go? I haven't really followed that one. Did uh, were they she successful? She competes. She competes tomorrow. Laurel tomorrow. She, she competes okay, tomorrow. So, um, yeah, I mean that's that to have some social media attention that event. Oh, that'll get some mainstream media attention tomorrow as well, right? So, yeah. Um, Laurel, oh, Hubble, the Russian. Hubble, sorry. Didn't take enough drugs, mate. She's couldn't, um, get the, couldn't get over the bar. The thing that I'll say about that is because I know it's a bit of a controversy, and you know, I, I understand the two two schools of thought about whether or not you should let a transgender athlete um, compete. But uh, I think for her, like what I would say is, all I would say is, is that I feel like the presence of a transgender athlete at the games is a great step forward. The Olympic Games is known throughout history of being the home of many great stories. And I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think this particular one is potentially going to save lives later on, mate. Like um, the rate of suicide in, uh, in, in young transgender people is really quite high. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really comforted by it, you know, Um, even though there's some controversy surrounding it, I get it. Now, the other day when we, we spoke earlier about the Norwegian triathlete in the white outfit, which mm. is, uh, and the, the kit sponsor was someone not from Puma. But Puma actually got it right here. They've got a Norwegian runner in what I suggested that be a reverse kit of a navy uh, coloured, mm. pr- predominantly coloured with red and white accents. Yeah. So I think uh, Puma have succeeded where the other um, outfitter for Norway failed. Um, and I, USA, think a, I think the the fashion parade's a bit of an interesting one because a lot of the teams have official. Stark. Oh, there he comes, Brandon, for his next attempt. Let's go, mate. Clear that. Ah, shit. No, that's him done, right? Uh, no, no, he... One more. One more. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, he went um, He went through at the previous side. That was 2.37 metres. He's I trying he to jump too in. early. Too wide, didn't so... his, his step was a little bit off. He knows it. I wouldn't have a clue how, what, what went wrong there, but he hit the bar. That's what happened. And so... that's why I love the Olympics. The only time you'll ever watch high jump in your life, and well, I mean, and you're an armchair expert. And this we is love a red it. hot final, though. It's a red hot final. It's really good. Yeah. Now the, the outfits, I think. Uh, what I noticed today, I didn't realise this, but like, say for example, Nike provide the US with their outfits, but in the BMX street today, um, or the park event, the American athletes were competing in champion gear. So. Um, champion had provided the BMX athletes with their clothes for today's competition. So, uh, of a street culture brand and probably owned by Nike. Yeah, potentially, but it's interesting. Champion isn't was it? big in the nineties, wasn't it? As a, as a, you know, the champion jackets for the, with the NBA logos on them. Yeah, definitely. So, and so it was an interesting one. I thought uh, so. Obviously, there the are four hundred some... Maca a heat four hundred. Uh, this is yes, the four hundred. Yes, hurdles, Streety. Sorry, the hurdles. 400 meter hurdles, men's Someone 400 meter hurdles. Up a hurdle, don't they? So, what are you looking forward to in the in the last week of the games, boys? What about we finish off tonight by talking about what's going to happen in the next seven days? Well, we'll save the blinding on the obvious for the last one, so uh, we'll leave that. But, um, man, I generally, you know, I'm excited to see how how some of our teams go. The hockey, I mean, that's that you know, to watch hockey is actually a really good game to watch. It's a little mm. bit like AFL in the sense that. Uh, 
there's something always happening. It's a fast-moving game. Um, it's probably a pity that hockey doesn't have a higher profile in Australia because it probably you could make a pretty good professional league out of that if if people got you know really got behind it. I think they've tried for a while. I think uh, I think it just seems like it uh, it's never really taken off for whatever reason. So yeah. What about boys? So that's a good point that you make, Streety. What about um, what is the event that you've surprised yourself by enjoying like during the games? Like so. The one where you kind of go, oh, I didn't really think much about that. I wasn't really looking forward to it. But because I've come across it, I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, one was the... Go, go uh, the uh, I was watching the archery the other day. I found yep. it. That was good. And Jesus, did they uh, put some equipment in there? Whatever the old, just a quick old bow and arrow, Jesus. It's got <laughs> 50 things coming out of it. And yeah, yep. yeah. But um, it looks yeah, more that, like a death weapon, hey? Like it's like it's got basically got scope finders and stuff on oh, it, all mate, sorts was, of stuff. Mate. I was waiting for the the red line to come out the front of it, the sniper, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I I enjoyed that. Um, and I said it before that, and I always catch myself watching it, which is the canoeing. I love it. Yeah, wanted wanted to head down to Penrith and uh, get down to Panthers and just rip in. It was good. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, it's but always I, but that is always I'll the. Keep, uh, I'll keep the, that illusion of that I could do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't yeah. actually want to do it because there's no freaking way in hell. So, have yeah. you ever been in one of those boats? No. Nah. Yeah, it's actually quite confronting that you that you strapped into them, and um, yeah, like once you get into the white water, yeah, it is. A, it's a pretty scary thought, actually. So, yeah. What um? Yeah, what about you, Streety? You found something that you've uh, that you've enjoyed? Yeah, like a, a, yeah, a couple of. So the other day, I got um, I dropped everything. It was watching the last sort of half an hour of the clay pigeon shooting, the the women's final. There's an Aussie in there, and she yeah. kind of had a little bit of a choke and um and finished fourth. But she was right. Just for everyone's me. reference. It's not called clay pigeon shooting, and there's no pigeons involved. <laughs> Trap shooting, whatever it is, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They used to call it clay pigeons. Oh, I mate, I yeah, maybe. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, what, they, that's what they do at uh, Bob's Farm, mate. That's where they have it. <laughs> oh, I think if you look back, like you know, the word is target, was, uh, clay target. Clay, yeah, but, uh, but they have called it clay pigeons. We have to do, do some research. You know, we are. I don't think they. On, I don't think they. Factual. I don't think they fling any clay pigeons up in the air for people to pick off. But yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's a uh, it's a bit of a term to use. But anyway, like that that to me was just you know to to follow that target and 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 shoot a shotgun at it and and hit it you know more often than not. Yeah, and that's uh that's, that's really really impressive. Um, so I enjoyed yeah. that last night's discus final was really good. Um, Matt Denny was right in in the mix and finished fourth or fifth. Um, I always enjoy watching the high jump. I think that's a, a pretty a good event to watch. Uh, 100 meter finals on in about 40 minutes. So. Yeah, it's um, it's over as almost as quick as it starts. Yep. He comes in a team we don't like, and he makes it a bastard. <laughs> Damn. All right. So we'll, let's jump in, boys. Let's jump in. All right. The basketball. We'll start with the Opens. Okay. They've lost their shine. This is not working out too well for them, isn't it? It's been a rough two first two games for them in their pool rounds, um, and they find themselves up against it pretty significantly. They've got to beat Puerto Rico tomorrow by 
well at at least thirty points, and the more they the more they beat them by the better. By the time the game comes around, they'll know exactly how much they have to beat them by um, to be able to be in that third place to be considered as part of the quarterfinals. Um, yeah, it's going to hurt them. I, like I don't know. Look, their loss. You know, the other night against China was, yeah, was unfortunate, but um, they just haven't been, they just haven't produced at the moment. That's all. You can argue we got a bit of a rough call in that last play of the game. You know, the baseline referee let the call go and the, and the sideline ref made the call from the furthest point away from the play. Um, yeah. We, we, but we did, saying that, but it was, it was a foul. It, it, it was, was a foul. foul. And, I, and I think actually, I, like in my opinion, it was that referee's call from that position on the court. They would have had, even though they were the furthest away, they still had a pretty like they weren't. Well, I mean, far the other away. ref was right in the like, baseline, looking right at it. He he had he had forty five degree angle on it. Yeah, yeah but his whistle. Yeah, I'm not sure what he was looking at, but I mean, look, regardless of that, to be they, the turnovers was it was so frustrating to watch because they, geez, they threw oh, some. Geez, oh, that would hurt. That would hurt. He just jumped straight in the bar of the USA. Jeez, this, but, uh, yeah, look, have a thing about it, though, boys. Look, just think about it from the perspective of if the Opals had have won that that game, don't you think you would have felt like they kind of stole it? Like they didn't yeah. deserve to win it. I, I, like I'm no, not definitely, but I, definitely. as you know, I mean, like I kind of feel like they would have been really lucky. I shouldn't have say that. I shouldn't say they didn't deserve to win it because if you win it, you deserve to win it. But I'm, but I mean, um, I think they would have felt damn lucky to have won it if they had have got away with it, you know? So. Yeah, definitely. And and it, like I said, because turnovers were just like I said, it was frustrating to watch. But it was they weren't just you know they were bad turnovers. And we went on a mm-hmm. run there where we had like five in a row. We came down and just threw it straight to them, and it was just like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. And but I think it it does hurt them a lot in terms of yeah okay if we had a won it yeah probably stole that one but the confidence is still there where yeah, it would yeah, be absolutely. interesting to see I'm hoping they don't come out flat but to be honest that's a that's a heartbreaker I, for that one I think they'll come out. How much out do you think we're reeling from um, Cambridge's absence? You know, she's got a fair bit of flat, but she's obviously fairly important in the scheme of things. Is, is her loss so close to the games? Really tough to recover from. Uh, our, times, I, our offense looks terrible. Well, I think, I think yes, it is. I think it is hard to recover from, but only because it's so close to the games. I think the, the thing is, is that they will have prepared one way, and they will yeah. have run. They've designed an offense with her in mind, um, and they will have practiced that offense as much as they could when they were together, and and they and they and now she's not there. I, I think actually, to be honest, though, this particular group will be better off without her um, just because of the what we know is, is the some of the disruption that she brings to a team group. I just think they need more time together. I think they are capable of really good things. I just don't think they've had enough time together. I think we, we don't understand because when we talk about the boomers, those guys have been together at major competitions for a lot of years. They're in a different stage of... of of their life cycle as a team, the boomers at the moment. So, yeah. Mm. yeah. So I, I've, look, I feel for the Opals because I think 
they've certainly got some great talent. They, don't get me wrong. There's some girls there that can be some of the best players in the world. They just haven't enough time to put it all together, mate. That's all. So Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. you know, miracles do happen and, you know, there's been many stories of teams sneaking through a, a group group stage, whether it be from football or – and which, you know, be reminiscent of us not to uh, bring up the Matildas and the, the amazing effort they had the other night. In their what game about that game? That was amazing. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. So talk about one of my favourite events and games. Well, that game on Friday night, amazing. Mm. Yes, awesome. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that was so good. I mean, there was so many, that that particular game had so many different storylines in terms of the 89th minute and the Matildas are down by one goal and looking like that's it, right? And then Sam Kerr slots that goal to get the equaliser. Wow. But Nick then, Smith from the Netherlands just burned all his energy from his hyping up the camera. <laughs> <laughs> but then you you know to see them to see them then you know, get that penalty awarded against them and you thought, oh, here they go, they're gone here in the extra time. Uh, and then unfortunately, and then, you know, sorry, fortunately for us, you know, two minutes later they're ahead and then they never look like getting beat, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was amazing. Really good. And then the last couple of minutes was tense when England got it back to 4-3 and you're like, oh, no, don't don't let it be, you know. Yeah. Don't, don't let them score a fourth. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's always good to see a shattered POM as well. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Now, yeah, I just have a question on the hockey. The, the um, Kookaburra's got one through today on a shootout, a one-on-one goal. I've never seen that in hockey before. Is that I something fairly it? new? No, no. That's how it's always been. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that was yeah. um, that, that was crazy. Like, you normally, you know, I guess in, in soccer, football, um, the advantage generally always lies with, uh, and the pressure is all on the, uh, you know. The keeper. Yeah, but I yeah I, I kind of felt like the keeper had the advantage uh, in that in always in that contest today. Yeah, um, and also like the yeah you know, I like the um, I like the actual penalty shootout or the shootouts in in hockey because they they don't like a like a penalty stroke in in hockey is the same as a penalty in soccer during the game, but during the shootout the the attacking player starts with the ball you know, 20 metres, like just outside the circle and and has to come into the circle and confront the goalie. So the goalie's got a bit more of a chance to kind of read and react and the and the, athlete, and the attacking player has to do more to get the goal. Um, I love it. I reckon it's fantastic. It's a pretty good story with the Australian, uh, the goalie from the uh, Hockey Roos, uh, the Kookaburras today. Um, I just I caught it briefly on the telecast. They were saying as a kid he had some... Um, some motor deficiencies with his coordination and stuff and um, found it, you know, things a bit tough as a kid, but then he got into hockey and then uh, that was kind of his thing and that pulled him out of that and eventually, you know, um, pull, pulled everything together and became this super coordinated dude who's winning finals at the uh, at the Olympics. Yeah, well, he stood up for him today in the shootout, didn't he? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, yeah. So, so what, about, what about the, the boomers, boys? Yes. Aaron so far, Baines. so good. I mean, we, we've, we've had our moments. I, I yeah. think it's probably better for us to, to win tight games than to cruise for a group stage and not have any adversity. And so when the going gets tough, as it has in the past, we kind of crumble in these fourth-quarter situations where we've held our nerve. We've hit, we've hit an eight-point lead. Other teams mm. have got to back to three and five, but we've closed them out where there's been plenty of games in the past where we've had an eight-point lead and, and choked it away. And that's the thing with, like, 
I'll make a just mention then Aaron Baines in that is it a case of they're sort of going, look, we don't want to lose our momentum. You're not playing. See you later. And shipped him on out. Or is it something with the case of the little detail we have, has something actually gone on? Like what's, what's going on there? I mean, I, listen, the old slipping over in the shower and, um, you know, hurting your neck is, uh, is the equivalent of the dog ate my homework. Um, you know, no, no one buys it. So probably more to that Bane story than, um, than what there is, uh, than what's been it, reported. It always concerns – I never like to be the conspiracy theorist, but it always concerns me when a few things happen. The first one – first thing that, that makes me doubt the story is that, um, is that it was reported in different ways. So one of the first reports was that he injured his neck – in the game, and then and then it subsequently came out later that it was actually with a weird mishap in the shower afterwards, which is kind of bizarre, right? Like mm. you know how you hurt yourself, and so you would obviously have t- said that. So I don't know whether it was a communication issue with the media. The second thing that bothers me is that they were very clear to point out that the injury won't take long for him to heal from, and he should be back on the court in a couple of weeks. It'll just mean that he'll miss the Olympics. Now, I think that's important for Aaron because he's kind of just holding on to his job a bit in Toronto. So I think uh, in the NBA, I think they will have wanted to uh, to have, you know, kind of made sure that his employers weren't that worried about him, you know, and he, they protected a bit. And finally, the other thing I think makes me think there might be something else to it is, as Nugget said, he didn't play much in the last you know, quarter of that game against, um, uh, like, against uh, uh, Italy. And um, and I think it looked like he got, you know, he got benched for Landale and um, Nick Kay and, and maybe that did hurt him. I don't know. Maybe he did get the shits with that. I'm not sure. But it, was he, it doesn't look in that, good. In that game where we played Germany last night, was he with the team at all? Like I, I didn't, I, I didn't actually see him. You know, in, in the team polo, sitting on the, you know, in, in the rows behind the front front bench or anything. Was he actually even there, or is he, is he left altogether? I don't know. I, I didn't see him. I didn't see him at the game, but I wasn't necessarily looking out for him. I'm not sure, um, and I don't know whether he, now that he's injured and not playing, whether whether from a COVID protocol perspective, they keep him away from games. I'm not sure. I'd be disappointed to hear if he's left the village altogether and gone home. Like that's, that's a bit of a shame. And it's certainly a shame if there is more to this story because, because he's worked really hard for the Olympic pro for the national program. And it'd be a shame for him not to be around for it. So Absolutely. And, and he would be one of the last guys um, that mm. I would, you know, um, expect and be really surprised to hear that, you know, um, Things went a bit, you know, didn't go his way with minutes or rotations, and then he's kind of had a bit of a dummy spit and said, "Well, I may as well not be here. I'm out of here." What well, probably, you know, yeah. makes, what would make more sense is the fact that the Toronto Raptors are in the in the midst of, um, you know, trade talks with other players and you know, free agent signings. So there's every chance that Baines is, you know, ten eight eight to ten million dollar contract could be, you know, a crucial element to a trade that, that hasn't hasn't you know eventuated yet. Um, so maybe he receives some external pressure and, you know, to say, listen, you need to, you know, in order to keep your job or your contract, we, we need mm. you to not be injured and to not be injured means not playing. And this is a tough call, but you're going to choose the, you know, a potential medal or you know, tens of millions of dollars. 
Uh, yep. It'd be a tough spot for him to be put in for that. Um, and, and hopefully that isn't the case, but, you know, the way the NBA works, you, you wouldn't be surprised. Well, whatever happened, I know he's not going to be there for their quarterfinal now. Um, what do you think, boys? Is he Are the Boomers, is he that critical a piece that the Boomers can't win without him or can we still win the quarterfinal and go through to the middle round? So when you say quarterfinal, mm. do you say that with um, the possibility that he could be back for a potential semi or he's just done? No, no, he's just out, mate. He's not going to play in the Olympics. I just, I always talk about the quarterfinal as being the biggest game in any Olympics for, for the basketball teams because, like you know, it doesn't matter what you've done before. Before then, one, if you don't win the quarterfinal, then you're out of contention for a medal. So it's just the most important tournament game, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. So I kind of use it as just a bit of an indicator that I don't really care what happens after that if they lose. So. I mean, it depends on the matchup. I, I think that um, we've looked great with, with certain lineups, um, and those lineups that always look great always have Matisse Thibel in it. Um, he, you know, if we don't have Baines, obviously it's, it's, it's a loss, but I think what we gain defensively on the wings is something we've never had, and that may just be the tipping point for us. And, you know, I'm pretty confident in, in Landale to play bulk minutes as centre, provided he doesn't, you know, get in foul trouble. Nick kay has been pretty sensational. Um, he's really stepped up. Um, yeah. So, I, I, was, you know. I was talking about this whole concept with someone else the other day. And and what I think is, is that Australia were going to have to play a small ball type game anyway throughout this Olympics because – we didn't have the depth behind Aaron Baines, right? Like, so we couldn't really play a game, a style of game that was heavily reliant on a big man because, you know, you've got a key person dependency. Like it means that if he goes down, then you're going to struggle. So I think actually him not playing might accelerate us into that small ball style of uh, style of play, um, whether or not that particular style will will get us where we want to go. Um, well, I guess that's the $64 million question, isn't it? So, Well, one thing that does give me a little bit of confidence is the fact that uh, here comes Brendan Stark again. We'll just um, – this is he's fighting for survival here. He's going to make this to stay alive, 239. But this is his – I think this is his first attempt at 239. I think yep. he skipped Slapping 237. Yep. So he Three does – this is his first attempt. So he'll still get three attempts at this height. But uh, uh, two more after this if he doesn't get it. Come on, mate. Holy oh, dooly. Jesus. He's nearly he jumped under the bar. Holy yeah. dooly. That was not great. He's, he might have got HIA for that. If that was the NRL, he's got it. HIA in 15 minutes for have you heard the Have you heard the story, boys, about like you see the footage of his partner? Like they regularly cut to her on her lounge She's at home. pregnant, right? Uh, I'm not so sure. I don't really know that. But um, what I do know is, is that uh, Channel 7 actually have a camera in their garden. Um, it's not allowed inside because she's in Sydney, so she's in lockdown at the moment. Uh, but there's a guy standing in the garden filming her through the window. So, <laughs> uh, well, wow. like, uh, if you say that, you know, they might have made some mistakes on just showing antique hunters rather than a live event. But geez, they're going to some great lengths to get some footage. So, <laughs> yeah. no, it's, more, wow. it's, it's more at the two a.m. filming and sleeping in bed. Gene Marco Tamberi. Yeah, I. I suspect it, yeah. Hopefully hopefully he yeah, doesn't but, hang around. 
But yeah, so so boomer wise. No one likes we, you, mate. Do Marco Tanberry. Go home. Boomer yeah, boomer wise nugget. So I think uh we we we, we we play USA or Spain. Do we? Yep. I've got the I've got the thing up now. So it's Italy, France and Slovenia and Germany on one side. Spain, USA, Australia, Argentina on our side. Okay, so do we play Argentina then? So we play Argentina next yep. in the quarterfinal. And then yep. it's, uh, well, USA, Spain is the, the other side. For okay, so, we, so our path to the gold medal game has to go through Spain, USA and Argentina, basically. So well, we, have to, USA, we, have to, so. we have to beat two of those three teams, basically, to get to the gold medal game. So, so we do. where are we likely to meet France? In the gold medal game. Gold, we gold medal game. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Because well, look the at US aren't playing France, are they? Didn't you just say they're playing Spain? No? They're playing Spain. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So, so 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 the other side of the draw is the, the well, France play Italy, and Slovenia play Germany. Geez, I, I wouldn't mind oh, being wow. on that side of the that side Jeez. of the draw. Slovenia so, will beat Germany. Um, and then France, France will beat we beat Italy and Germany in ours, so like France uh, will beat yeah, Italy, so it'll be a um semi final one will be France Slovenia, yep. yeah, yeah, and hopefully the boomers either USA or Spain in a semi. Well, yep. I'll tell you what, boys, that look, this team, I reckon this team has done fantastically well so far. And and I believe that you know that that they've got an opportunity here that they're going to take. They're, they're gorging in gorge. We trust. Well, like, I, yeah. before Brandon um, headbutted the bar in his last attempt, uh, I was going to say that um, Paddy Mills is putting up you know mid low to mid twenties per game, but he has he hasn't looked amazing doing it. Mm. Um, so you know, I think uh, hopefully Paddy Mills saves those Paddy games for quarters, semis, and 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 then hopefully beyond. Um, we're getting contributions from a lot of other guys, which is we've been always reliant on on one to, to two guys, but you know, we're getting guys across the board um, getting buckets and, and contributing. And um, it's been a pleasure yeah. to watch Matisse Thibel play, hasn't it? Oh, he's added a significant dimension to that team that we really needed. It's been fantastic. So um, I think one of the good parts is, is that we've now got, a depth of guys that believe they belong and can contribute at this level. So, so Landale and Nick K aren't necessarily going out there saying, I hope I play well. I think they're going out there saying, I am going to do this and I've got the capability to do it, which is great. I think that's the, that's the confidence you need to have to, you know, that's the way that the Spain's and the, and the France's and the Argentina's all go about it. And certainly the Americans as well. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So when when's our next game, the Boomers? When what what day do we play? Tuesday, the quarterfinals are. I'm not sure what the timings are. Nugget, did they have the timings on that or no? They don't have the timings on that as of yet. I, I think you'll probably find by. that the I think you'll probably find that the Boomers game will be one of the later games, um, yeah. and that'll probably be because the US will be playing in the morning to get maximum uh, coverage of of times. So, but that'll be Tuesday, boys. Yeah. Mm. Very nice. good. Well, as we come close to wrapping up, our Beats Volleyballers going pretty well. Yeah. Uh, they're currently leading China. I think they won that um, 
Yep, they won the first they set. They just won the first set, yeah, 22-20. Yep. Nice. Well, yep. boys, I think it's probably time to Very wrap good. it up. We're, 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 you know, headbutting the undies of two hours here. So, um, yep. it's, uh, it's time to wrap up our uh, week one summary of the Olympic Games as the Korean high jumper Wu shang goes for the uh, – trying to hit, hit, hit the front here. Yep. He's got well, a smile on him. Good talk, boys. Can't wait for the second week of the Olympics. Yep, and we'll uh, hopefully we'll have some more great gold medal news to uh, discuss. And we're going to finish on this guy's jump. And he hasn't made it. No, no for woo-woo. Sorry, mate. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back again at the conclusion of the Games to talk some more shit. But uh, thanks for sticking with us for this one. Uh, see you next time. See you guys. Thanks, Jim.